to Luke chapter 24 and stand together. Let's, let's read the text together as we honor God's Word. We're going to read Luke chapter 24 and begin in verse 1 and go through verse 9. So if you find the book of Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's right there at the beginning of the New Testament, Luke chapter 24. And may I say, kids, great job. I love that song and uh, the truth that you guys sang. What a, what a wonderful day. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Let's bow our heads, if you would. Father, we come before you and we are thankful for this time together. I ask now your special blessing upon this message, Lord, that you would help us to have open hearts and to be attentive and that your spirit would uh, teach us the truth that you have for us as we praise you for your risen son. Lord, give me grace and help me the words that I say to be acceptable, Lord, and I just ask that you please be with us now. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. One year ago, this looked a little different. <laughs> I didn't preach to bodies sitting in pews. I preached to that camera. And the only other people here was my wife and my kids. I did not like that. <laughs> there was no hymns that we sang, and you didn't hear people lifting up their voices or hear the rustling of people in the pews or the, the, the sound of Bible pages turning. It didn't mean that the truth was any less true. Jesus was still alive. But I just want to say I'm thankful to see each one of you here this morning because I'd rather not do that again ever. <laughs> it is a blessing to be here and a blessing to gather today to, to, to surround ourselves with the truth of God's Word and, and the fact that Jesus is alive. And that's what this day is all about, right? Maybe you had something to do with Easter baskets this morning, or maybe you're planning a family get-together, or you have decorations of bunnies or eggs. Hey, listen, I understand some of that goes with the, the season and with the holiday. But that has zero to do with why we gather here today. It is all about Jesus, our risen Savior. And we pay special attention to that this morning, and we do so because it's an essential part of the gospel message. The gospel message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all three of those parts are vital. Jesus came and died, He was buried, and He is risen again. Now that last part is especially important. Because without the resurrection, there's no gospel. 
You understand that? Without the resurrection, we have no hope. We have no Savior. Belief is just vain. There's no use preaching. And in fact, Paul says all of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We who call ourselves Christians are the people to be pitied on the face of the earth. Because in there is no resurrection, we believe in nothing. Because then Jesus is just another man, you see. Someone who may have lived a good life and he may have said some great things and he may have even given his life, but in the end, if there is no resurrection, Jesus is just dead like all other men. Which is exactly why week after week, this week especially, we proclaim, we preach loud and proud every service we come together that Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead, and that means everything. Not just for us who worship Him, but for you and whoever may hear this. The resurrection of Jesus means everything for us. I want to spend a little bit of time with that this morning. I just want to kind of walk through the text and bring a couple things out that have spoken to my heart, and hopefully they speak to yours as well, you know. As a pastor with holidays like this, you kind of come to the same texts every year. But every time there's something a little different that, that jumps out at you and that hits your heart. And there's something that's kind of spoken to my heart and hopefully it does to you this morning. So, so let's take a look at what the Bible says. Notice verse 1 of Luke chapter 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher or the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now we know the timing of this. It's been three days since Jesus was crucified. Since He was taken and nailed to the cross and His blood was shed and the crown of thorns was placed upon His head and He was mocked and spit on and a spear was thrust in His side until He gave up His life. That has happened. We spent a lot of time with that our last service. And His disciples are there watching this happen. They watch their gentle, loving Master who never hurt anyone, who never even said cross words that were out of line. They watched Him be taken, falsely tried, falsely accused, and then nailed to the cross to die the worst, worst death possible. And now they're coming three days later to the grave. And there's something that jumped out at me. They bring the spices they had prepared. I don't know if you've noticed that when you read it, but they're prepared for the worst. They're going to embalm him. They're going to finish up the job. And I can almost hear their own thoughts because sometimes my thoughts go along the same same line. It's over. He's dead. We watched him die. We we watched him be sealed in the tomb. You can see that at the end of chapter 23 that there are women standing there, Mary and some others, who are these same that come to the tomb this morning. But they see him be placed in the tomb. They see the stone rolled over. They see it sealed and it's placed under a Roman guard. They see that. And now they're coming just to finish up the job. You see... 
They thought it was over. They thought it was nice while it lasted, but now he's dead and it's over. And I say that because of something the disciples say later on in this very chapter. Um, on the Emmaus Road, we don't have time to explain it, but if you read Scripture, you know what goes on there. Jesus actually appears to some of His disciples, and He says, Hey, why are you guys so sad? Why, why you guys got long faces and acting like everything's bad? And they don't know it's Him, but it's in the response that they give. And they tell Jesus, Have you not heard about Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people? And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And now it's been three days since these things happened. You hear that? Oh man, we thought it was going to be him. We thought it was going to be him who would redeem us. You see, when chapter 24 opens, we find the disciples heartbroken and hopeless. And listen, they saw a lot, didn't they? We spent a lot of time with that last service. The pain and the suffering of our Savior. And it's good for us to remember that from time to time. And to place ourselves in the same place as the disciples as they saw it happen. They saw Jesus' body broken and they watched their friend and Master and Lord crucified. They watched Him be sealed in the tomb. And to the human mind, they watched any hope they had slip away. Well, we thought it was him, and here it is three days later. Where do we find them three days later? They're not gathered around the tomb in lawn chairs waiting, <laughs> which they should have been, right? Oh, he said he, said he was going to come out. Man, I would have been there. Well, I say that. I probably wouldn't because I'm a human. <laughs> but in our spiritual self-righteous mind, we would have say, I would have been sitting there waiting for that stone to roll open because that's exactly what he said he would do. Are they there? No, they're not, are they? Why? Didn't, didn't they listen? Didn't they hear all the times Jesus talked about this? Well, I'm sure they did, but in the moment when trials come, it's hard to remember, isn't it? It's hard to remember. You see, we read this. We read the, the account of the crucifixion and we can feel the pain in our own heart, but it's turned to joy and to peace and excitement because we know what happens. We can say, hold on, guys. I know it looks really bad, but Sunday's coming. It's going to get better. But for the ones who lived it and watched it with their own eyes and experienced it, it's a bit different. And here's, here's our, I want to lay out uh, the concept we're going to touch on during this message. And it's a truth we need to hear and to let settle in our own hearts. In this moment, in this extremely hard time, listen now, they forgot what Jesus said. They forgot what Jesus said. Have you? Like during this last year, have there been times you forgot the promises of Christ? And some things that we have gone through. Listen, in tough times, it's hard for our humanity to remember all the promises of God, isn't it? It can be hard to stay rooted and grounded on those things when stuff goes crazy 
or when we look around and we consider the direction things are heading, it's easy for us to get negative and, and just kind of along a bad line of thinking and just think everything's over. Sooner or later, cancel culture is going to find us. Nobody's going to listen to the gospel anyways. No one cares about God. No one's going to be saved. I'm not going to get through this trial. I thought it would be different. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? But sometimes we forget and think the trial is bigger than God. Which is when we need to remember the power of the gospel. Remember the power of the gospel. God was not done when humanity couldn't see past the right now. They see a sealed tomb and they see the impossible. God says, just wait. Just wait and watch what I'm going to do. Remember, it was always in His hands and it always is. (laughs) Pandemics... And politics can be scary to us, but neither pandemics nor politics can stop my God. Neither crosses nor tombs can hold Him in or hold Him down. And it is often that in and through those things, God does His greatest work. And it just may be He is working in your life through some things right now, and He's waiting to prove His power in an unmistakable way that may even surprise you. Now, the disciples got a surprise here, didn't they? Look in verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. I can imagine. They're walking up. Their minds are heavy about what they're prepared to do. And, and they're going to pay respects to Jesus. And, and this heavy Mindset probably weeping and they they go over the crest of the hill and something's off. Like literally, the stone is not there. The stone is rolled away from the sepulchre, verse 3. And they entered in. They go in the tomb, they're looking around and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Where is the stone? Where is the body? They're really, really confused. That's... What the Greek behind our, the English translation. They're, they're, they're just, their mind is blown. What is going on here? And who on earth are these shiny guys? Nothing is like I expected it. What's going on? <laughs> if only we had more faith. If only they had had a little bit more faith. Instead of questioning, they should have began praising. We'll get back to that. And then everything changes. Look at verse 5. As these angels begin to speak, everything changes. As they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth. And they, the angels, said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? I love that phrase. I love it. What are you doing here? Why are you looking here for someone who's alive in a graveyard? And then the next seven words change everything. It changes eternity, your eternity, if you would accept it. Verse 6, He is not here, but is risen. What are you doing looking for Him here? He's not here. He is risen. He is alive. Though you watched Him die, He's not dead anymore. 
Though you watched him be sealed in a tomb, he's not here. He is riven. He is risen. The grave is empty. Death is defeated. Sin is paid in full. Jesus is alive. He is risen. Amen. We come to worship that today, don't we? He is alive. We serve a risen, victorious Savior. You know, there's a lot of people who serve dead prophets or worship and pray to dead saints. Men who might have written down some good guidance for life, but in the end they could not keep their own. They too faced death and are buried. They are dead and buried and multitudes of people visit their graves. Not us. We have no headstone to weep at. We have no grave to go pay tribute to. Our Savior is alive. Our Savior is alive. And I mean that literally, by the way. There's been evidently some confusion when people read the Bible. When I say Jesus is alive, I mean He is literally, physically alive. We believe in a literal, physical resurrection that Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ and our God in flesh, literally died on the cross. He was literally buried in a tomb. And three days later, up from the grave, He arose with a mighty triumph over His foes. He took that body, came out of that tomb, and came back to life. He is really alive. Many people doubt Many people question. Many people try to hide it. You can see all of that in the Scripture. We don't have time for that this morning. But Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth some 30 years later, and he says, hey, this is a fact. Over 500 people who are still alive have seen Him with their own eyes. And all the sermons preached by the apostles point right to that event. The closing book of the Bible is the... Uh, a book that tells us about his return. This is not a fuzzy, warm and fuzzy bedtime story. It is the truth that we cling to. And by the way, truth that many have given their lives for. And not one of the martyrs has cracked. Not one of them has says, oh, you know what? This is all a big giant hoax. Jesus isn't really risen. His his body is stashed over here. No, not one of them said that. They went to their death saying He is alive and He is the Savior of mankind. Okay, what's the big deal about that? What does that really mean? I mean, it's nice to say it on an Easter Sunday. He's alive. Amen. He's alive. What, What does it mean? It means everything. If He is alive, if He is risen from the dead, then that means He has victory like no one else. His death on the cross, then, is the payment for sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. And He gave His life as the atonement, the payment for sin. And if He rose from the dead, not only has He paid sin in full... He has defeated death, with what, which is what sin brings. And He has proven His victory over both. 
Not only did Jesus take care of sin on the cross, He took care of death in His resurrection. And what is the two things that have separated us from God? Sin and death. He has victory over those. In fact, He Himself says it clearly in Revelation 1, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death. He holds the mastery over those because He has the victory in His resurrection. If He is alive and He has defeated sin and death, then He is the one that can give us eternal life. You see, on that cross, when He gave His blood to pay for sin, He took your place. He took my place. He bore the wrath of God for everything I've done that is against God. Every bad thought. And we've got a lot of those, don't we? Every evil thought, every evil intention of my heart. Every lie, whether it's a big lie or a white lie, a lie is still a lie. Every time I've hated someone and not loved them, or I've known what God's Word says and I've said, nope, I'm going to do this. All of that, Jesus hung on that cross and bore the punishment of God for all of my sin. He paid my debt. See, for our sins we deserve to die, don't we? The wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You understand that? God loves us so much that He sent Jesus to be the payment for our sin so that Jesus would bear the wrath of God and give His blood so that He could take our place and offer us forgiveness and salvation. If we would, what, work a thousand years? If we would pay a thousand dollars? If we would attend a thousand church services? No, none of that. Whosoever, what? Believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's trust. It's faith that Jesus took my place. Jesus died for me. And I know I can trust Him because not only did He die for me, He rose again from the dead proving He is my Savior. He paid for your sins with His death and He has risen in triumph over them. So He alone can forgive you and give you eternal life. And the question this morning I just want to set before you is, do you believe that? Have you trusted in Jesus, our risen Savior, for your salvation? Or are you still in your sins facing the wrath of God? That's something you need to know and that's something you need to believe by faith. That Jesus died and is risen again to save you from your sins and the eternal judgment that faces us in hell. We are sinful. We are separated from God. And the only hope we have is in Jesus. He is the one who has paid for sin. He is the only one who has risen in victory. And if you would believe the gospel, confess, I'm a sinner Ask Him to save you. The Bible is very clear. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. And how do I know this? Is this just some nice words that's thrown together to make you feel emotional or make a good Easter sermon? How do I know that this is really real? That this is a reality? Because He's my living Savior. He's my living Savior. I know how this truth has changed my life. And that the moment I asked Jesus to save me, everything changed. The burden of sin was gone. And I have peace in my heart. I know my sins are forgiven. And I have eternal life in heaven. And you hear the same in the testimony of each one who is saved. The same story repeated over and over and over. Though we come from different backgrounds and different sins and different experiences, when we trust in Jesus, the same thing happens. Our sins are gone and we are given new life. Because we all serve the same living Savior. We know it's true because He has changed us. He has saved us. Has He changed you this morning? He can. You know, this Easter Sunday can be a totally new start for you. The day where you lay down your sins and your thoughts and your evil actions and whatever it is, even your rejection and your cynicism and your bitterness, whatever it is, You don't have to keep living in those things. That's a heavy weight to bear, isn't it? You know, you can lay those down at the foot of the cross and find forgiveness by the one who has died and rose again to save you. You can find it if you would place your faith in the living Savior, and I pray you would look to the cross, look to the empty grave, look and believe and be saved. And for those of us that know Him, I want to spend the remaining time together, just our few minutes together, focusing on something I mentioned at the start. And here's, here's what I want you to walk away with and hopefully will be a help to you. Jesus did exactly what He said He would do. They may have forgot, but Jesus did exactly what He said. Look in verse 6. Luke 24 and verse 6. He is not here, but He is risen. What's the next thing that these angels say? Remember. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee, saying, Jesus, Jesus said this, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. The angels say, Hey, remember, He told you guys. What does verse 8 say? And they remembered His words. This is not a question like, hey, do you remember what He said? No, it's an it's a instruction. Remember what Jesus said to you. Remember what He said in verse 7, as well as other places, like in John chapter 10. Listen to what Jesus says here. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. That's some big claims, isn't it? 
Jesus says, nobody's going to take my life. I'm going to lay my life down because I have the power to. And I'm going to take my life back up again. That would be foolish for any one of us to claim. Because we can't do it. It would be foolish for any of us to say the same things. That's big words, big claims, unless you can back them up, which is exactly what Jesus did. He laid down His life and He took it back up. He fulfilled everything He said exactly like He said it. Do you think that's changed, beloved? Like 2021, 2020 and 2021 has totally thrown Jesus off course. Like, now he's lost the power to keep his own word. And now the Bible is null and void. And all of these promises that used to be good, you know, that old-time religion that was good for my father and good for my grandfather, all of that, now that's all thrown out the window because we're in a pandemic, you know. Or we've got cancel culture going around. You would swear Christians think like that today. You would... Almost be assured by the way his churches act that we've forgotten some things about the Word of God. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Nothing has changed about His Word. None of the promises are canceled. None of the power is lost. Jesus is the same. Maybe we've forgotten. Maybe we've forgotten. And maybe we need to remember some things. His Word was proven true then. That's what the angels said, right? He did exactly what He told you guys. Maybe I'm a little too sarcastic. And I put that into what I read in the Scripture. But that's kind of the tone I get from the angels. Lord, forgive me if that's right. What are you doing here? He's not here. He's risen just like He said. Go! Maybe we need a little bit of that. For the Holy Spirit to say, what are, what are you doing? What are you guys doing, really? Nothing's changed. He's the same. His word was proven true then, and it is so now. It always has been. And maybe we need to remember that. Listen, I'm not saying we don't face hard things in life, because I've been through the ringer this past year. And it stinks. I don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I've shed a lot of tears. I've had my heart broken. Spent some sleepless nights. I, I know, I'm kind of contradicting what I said at the start, but I spent some sleepless nights worrying about the future of the church and how all this stuff is going to affect us. You know, sometimes hard times come and we can't see past the right now. Maybe it's family trouble or job trouble or loss or pain and suffering or the political social climate. There's a lot that can cause us to forget to only see what is in front of us and forget the rich promise and power of God. I'm just saying, maybe we need to remember. Turn over just a page or two in John chapter 2 and notice something that's said there. I find myself this past week just thinking that over and over. What's wrong with you? Why are you thinking like this? 
Don't you remember who God is? Maybe we need to do that. John chapter 2 and verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, they're speaking to Jesus, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? A lot to explain. I want you to focus on 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? They're thinking about the temple of worship. This thing took 46 years to build. You're going to raise it up in three days? Verse 21, But he spake of the temple of his body. He's talking about himself. Destroy this, and I will raise it up in three days. Look at verse 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. They remembered and their faith was strengthened. They believed the scripture. Here's what I want to drive home. Maybe we've forgotten some things. Maybe we need to be reminded. And I want to say to you, my friend, because He is risen, you can believe every single word He says. Every single word in this book. Because He's done exactly what He said He would do. Can I give you just a few passages to think on? Some passages maybe that will help you. Before we close, you know, Jesus said words like this in John chapter 3 If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And whosoever believes on me shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. Whosoever. Whosoever. Somehow, people have gotten in their mind that they have to get cleaned up to come to church. That they have to get some things straightened up before they come right with God. That's not what Jesus said, is it? He said, whosoever. You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've lived your life strung out on drugs. If you've lived your life hating God or breaking relationships. Or even if you think you're a pretty good person. It doesn't matter. Jesus saves. Jesus saves anyone that comes to Him in faith. And Jesus has the power to save and to restore lives. (laughs) He has the victory over the things that ruin us, over sin and over death. And He takes those away and He brings us back to life and to righteousness and gives us forgiveness. You know this morning you are not unsavable. You have not sinned too much. You have not done too much wrong. Jesus saves whosoever believes in Him. And by the way, let me just say, there is no one you know that is beyond His help. You ever think about that? God forgive us if we do. Man, they're too far gone. I don't think they'll ever listen. No, don't cut God short. Because Jesus said, whosoever believes in Him will be saved. Maybe we need to remember that and trust His Word. Do you remember in the end of the passage in Luke what happened? They remembered His words and then what happened? They ran and told everybody. (laughs) Everybody that they came across, guess what? Jesus is alive. 
Oh, that we would run out of these doors to our friends and to our family because our heart has been captivated with our Savior and all that He has done. And that we would run to them and say, listen, let me tell you about Jesus and what He can do for you and what He has done in my own life. Maybe we need to remember Words like this, John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe that? That death is not the end for us? It's just the way to go home. And our loved ones who have believed... And gone on before us, they're not gone. They're with Him. As it is true for every believer. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus said so. He that believes shall never die. We just fall asleep and go home. Words that give us hope for the future. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Which means he's an example of what's going to happen. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. That might sound a little bit confusing, but it means Christ is the example. He shows that when he returns, the same thing is going to happen for those who believe in him. Death could not hold Christ and death will not hold us. Though I may lay my body down in death, when He returns, He will raise me up in a glorified body that won't get sick or die. It'll be like His, which He proved when He raised Himself. No, death is not the end for me. The grave is not my final home. There is so much more. Can you see how deep this can begin to run now? It's not just a one-service thing. This is everything for us. And I don't have time, I don't have time to fully explore it. But here's, here's one thing I want to leave you with. Something that Paul says. Paul says this in Philippians 3.10. He's going on about how he's left his former life behind. He counts it all lost to gain Christ. And he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection. Power? What does He mean? Like, is that power for us? Power in us? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Listen, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. He says, I want you guys' eyes to be opened to the power of God that works for you. And all that God does for you is that same power that Jesus showed when He raised Him from the dead. 
In fact, Ephesians chapter 3 says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Do you hear that, church? Have we forgotten that? So often we live so powerless and helpless. Our safe little lives. So, well, maybe we'll maybe invite somebody to church on Easter. Because that's when people might accept it. But we're not bold. We don't live in that kind of power that we ought to. That same power that Jesus showed when He raised from the dead, that power works in us and for us. Power over sin, power over death, power over anything else in this world. And you can know that power and live every day in it. Can I say this, beloved? We're invincible. Through Jesus, we're invincible. Yeah, we might face sorrow and pain. We might face death. We might have to face all those things. I don't want to. But listen, ultimately, those don't have the victory over us, do they? Christ does. His peace, His joy, His power has victory over all of that. Why? Because He lives. Because He lives. And if I would start living my life like that, oh, the things that could be done for Christ. The people's lives who could be changed. Our time's run out. But hopefully it's enough to get you to think and to go back and search the Scripture and see all the promises that Jesus has given. Beloved, we can trust Jesus to keep His Word. When life gets hard, remember what Jesus said. When things aren't going like you thought they would or you cannot see how this trial is survivable, like I don't think I'm going to get through this, remember what Jesus said. Things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever it may be that gets in the way, remember what Jesus said and let those words, let those promises build your faith. Because it could be, just like it was in Luke chapter 24, that God is actually doing His greatest work in the impossible. You just can't see it. And He will bring you through this in a way that you cannot even imagine. So have faith. Trust Him. Rise up and face the trial in His power. That same power that neither death nor sin can stop works in and for you. Let Him heal your broken life that you thought nobody else could. Let Him heal your broken heart that seems like it's shattered in a million pieces and it'll never be the same. Let Jesus heal it. Let Jesus heal your broken faith. Maybe you're like Peter and you say, I believe, Lord, but I'm a sinful man. Help me. Rise up and face the darkness around us. Though it seems too oppressive, darkness never extinguishes light. So maybe we ought to be the light in the darkness and take the love and the truth that we have a risen Savior who saves 
Anyone who comes to Him in faith and has power over sin and death. Maybe we take that love and truth to a lost and dying world and watch Him change lives all because He lives. So I will simply stop and ask, will you remember all that He has said? Right here, right now, whatever the situation may be, whatever you're going through in life, I don't know your situation or the struggles you, are, you face. I know I face my own. What we need to do is stop, even if we find ourselves doubting, look to the cross and see the love of God for us, look to the empty grave and see the power of God that can work in our life, and remember all that He said. Remember and believe. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would take these words, use them as you see fit. Lord, you know the lives here. You know the individual struggles, the individual things we might be facing. Lord, I ask now that you would work as only you can, draw and convict or strengthen whatever the need is. If someone needs to be saved, Lord, and give them the grace and strength to to call out to You. If, if we're faltering and we're doubting and maybe we've gotten off track, help us, Lord, to remember and get back to You. And Whatever it is, You know. So I ask now that as we come to the time of invitation that You would do the work that only You can do and You would lead and draw us and guide us and heal us. I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.